Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. I'm so glad that we get to do this to, together today. If you're a guest with us or online, I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And like many of you throughout the past seven weeks of this series, Locally Grown, I've been growing. God has producing some fruit even in my life. But I'll tell you where I still struggle. It's the last thing we're talking about today. Oftentimes I struggle with self-control. Because I like to go big or go home. That's kind of my attitude. God's kind of put that in me, and I don't know how to really control it often all the time. Like, I want something done, and I want it done right now, and I'll do whatever it takes so it can get done to the best of its ability. That's just who I am. And let me give you a real practical example. This right here, I don't know if you can see this. This is a Marvel Mighty Mug, okay? Um, I got a bunch of these when, more like a handful. I had about like eight of them when I was a bachelor and I got them to decorate my, my, my condo and then I met Jessica and then we got married and she said, I don't want that stuff in my house and so put them in stores and eventually sold them to Pastor Steve and um, <laughs> we, we, we've been making room here. We'll talk a little bit more about making room at the conclusion of today's service, but we've been making room here uh, for our growing team, for our growing church, and so we moved around some offices. So now I have a new office. I'm like, you know, let me decorate my office, and I got them back from Pastor Steve, and I put them all over my office, um, but I need to make this clear. This is not a toy, okay? I'm 40 years old. I'm a grown man. I don't have toys. This is a collectible vinyl figurine. <laughs> Some of you, you've heard your husband say that. And so my kids, they come into the office like, Daddy, can we play with your toy? I'm like, it's not a toy, okay? It's supposed to be on a shelf. You're not supposed to touch it. You're not supposed to play with it. It is not a toy, and it is not yours. It is dad's. And I shared this with my son a few months ago, and he said, my, my youngest, my four-year-old, never had said to me, Daddy, you got to share your toys with us. You're not being a good daddy. And so I... I don't know how I felt. I'm like, ah. So I, I gave my Marvel Mighty Mugs away to my children. And um, now every time I walk in my office, I see the empty shelf. I'm like, man, I, I, I miss having these Marvel Mighty Mugs. And so I went on eBay and I bought all of them. And when I say all of them, uh, I don't mean the ones that I gave to my kids. I mean all 32 in the collection. <laughs> I bought every single Mighty Mug that they made. Now listen, some of you are thinking, why do you have that in your office? Shouldn't you have like pictures of Jesus? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's not me. But some of you are like, that was a really foolish way of spending your money, which I agree. But I have a good story to talk about when, when we're teaching about self-control. And so I did it for you. You're welcome. There you go. We have a value here at the local church. We say faith happens here. We believe that faith happens here. And here's what we mean by that. Giving God all of who we are, that's the greatest gift that we can offer him. Giving him all of who we are, the greatest gift that we can offer God. That's what we mean by faith happens here in this place. We have enough faith to say, God, have all of my heart. And giving, when we talk about giving, giving is a spiritual discipline. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of obedience. But giving is not just about money. We don't say that money happens here. Our value isn't money. Our value is faith. Giving God all of who we are. That's the greatest gift that we can offer to him. Because he's not after our money. God doesn't need our money. But what God wants is our heart. 
And this is why self-control is so important. I want to talk today about what it looks like to have self-control, of what it could be if we surrendered all of who we are to him. What would our lives look like? How much more fruit could be produced in our lives? How much more joy could we have in our hearts if we surrendered all of who we are to him? Self-control is what we're talking about. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, do you have self-control? Psychologists, they, de- they define self-control as this, the ability to control behaviors in order to avoid temptations and to achieve goals. Again, self-control is the ability to control behaviors in order to avoid temptations and to achieve goals. And when we look at Galatians chapter 5 and the fruit of the Spirit, self-control is very similar. In fact, you take that word self-control in the original language, you break it down to Greek, it's a combination of two words, en and kratos, en meaning in and kratos meaning strength, power, and dominion. And so here's the first big idea. I want you to write this down. A person with self-control is a person who has strength within because they know who's in control. We talked a few weeks ago about gentleness, which is having your control, your desire to want to control things under control. What self-control is, that, that's the ability to say no to things that aren't good, and to things that won't grow you. Self-control really is asking the question, who is in control? Is it my flesh or is it the spirit? See, we've been talking about what it means to to see this fruit grow in our life, and we've been reading Galatians chapter 5, and all the past seven weeks we've read Galatians 5.24. It says this, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desire. We have surrendered who we are and and what we want from our lives to, to the one who wrote our lives and created our lives and said, your plan is better. We've crucified our desires and our flesh with him. But a lot of us, we think that's one and done. I surrendered my life to Jesus. I said the prayer. And now we begin to live life on our own strength with our flesh. And it continues on. If we live by the Spirit, if we've been made eternally alive because of what Jesus has done alone, then why don't we walk by the Spirit? Let us also Walk in the Spirit. Allow the Spirit of God to lead us every single day because here's what I've experienced and here's what I know you know is true. That every day we're faced with temptations. Every day something comes our way to distract us, to keep us from growing to who God wants us to be. And in that moment, we need to have the self-control to say, who is in control right now? Am I going to give in to my desires? Am I going to give in to my flesh? It may be good, but it's not what God wants from me. Or am I going to allow his spirit to lead us? We've been talking about these, these Christ-like characteristics, the fruit that he wants to produce in us. But when it comes to self-control, we know that God doesn't have a need for self-control. He is self-controlled. Jesus never had to battle against self-control because he was the perfect son of God. And so where do we get this if this is not a Christ-like characteristic? Well, right before we read about the fruit of the Spirit, 
Right before that, we learn about the fruit of the flesh. Now, for those of you online whose kids are with you right now, and for those of you here who your children aren't in Kid Street, I would just recommend that you maybe send them out or cover their ears just for the next uh, minute or so because I don't want you to have to answer questions that you weren't prepared to answer in church today. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, it says this. This is the works of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now Paul starts with sexual immorality and then he ends with orgies. And a lot of us, when we hear that, we're saying, I'm good. I got self-control. It's a little bit excessive, right? And, and for, for most of us, hopefully all of us were saying, yeah, I would pass on that invitation. I don't know that I'd ever get that invitation. I don't know where to find one. I don't have the energy for that. I'm good. I have self-control because I don't participate in that. But what about your temper? Because it said fits of rage. I know a lot of people, I know a lot of followers of Jesus who have outbursts of wrath, who yell and scream and, and break things. Who's in control in that situation? What about your spending? Talks about envy, rivalries. Is our spending under control? Because in our country, it's not. I don't even know how many trillions of dollars were in debt, you know, today in 2021, but it's several. In fact, the, the overwhelming majority of debt in America is consumer debt, meaning that we buy things with money we don't have to impress people we don't even care about, to get things we don't really need. Who's in control when we see something? Oh, I got to have it. What about our appetite? Is our appetite under control? I mean, listen, when, when God gives us something to eat, we should give thanks. But speaking of thanksgiving, why is it that the holiday where we celebrate giving thanks, we also participate in drunkenness and gluttony? Let me be the first to say, when it comes to eating, my self-control goes out the door. If it smells good, if it looks good, I'm going to continue eating until I hate myself. Like, why? Why did I eat all this? The server comes as super salad. Yes. In fact, make my salad the super salad, and that's just my appetizer. Like, I know I'm not the only one who doesn't have their appetite under control. A lot of you, I know, you have stretchy pants when it comes to eating. I, I see it on Instagram. Are we under control when it comes to our appetites or attitudes? Do we get excited and celebrate when something good happens in someone's life? Or do we get jealous, lose sleep because we don't have what they have? What about our time? Do we know who's in control of our time? Do we live our lives to serve him and to, to, to point people to him? Or do we spend so much of our time with laziness and lack of self-accountability and self-discipline? Again, we talked about this part a few weeks ago, but, but what about our tongue? Is our tongue in control? I mean, if you look at social media today, <laughs> it has not gotten better from last year. 
The words that we speak, the comments we type, the emails we send. James, Jesus' little brother, he says this in James 3a. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and our Father, and we sing our songs and we worship him, but yet we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, my sisters, this ought not to be so. But sadly, it is, isn't it? We see all this negative talking and criticizing and condemning people. And the world is watching. The world is watching to see how these followers of Jesus are going to live their life. How are they going to respond? And what are we displaying? Are we letting our flesh lead us? Or are we surrendering to his spirit? Are we pointing people to the goodness of God with the way that we live and the way that we speak? Or are we pushing them away because of the fruit of our flesh? And I want to admit, I need this today. Holy Spirit, grow self-control in me. Not so I simply don't buy any more Mighty Mugs, but so that I can be aware every day who is in control of my life. Look what it says in Titus 1.7. It says, for an overseer, say overseer. That's a lot of us here today. That's a lot of us who God has given us a position of authority, but the context of what this passage is saying is specifically for people like me and a lot of you here who lead in ministries, who pastor over different groups of people. It says, for an overseer as God's steward, they must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good and self-controlled, upright holy and disciplined. And too many leaders today, they're falling because they don't have self-control. And it breaks my heart to hear of all these prominent pastors who are getting into financial failure or sexual sin because they don't have self-control. And at the end of the day, self-control is a sin problem. Because we don't trust and surrender to the one who is in control. But the root of it is stewardship. And this is why 2021 is our year of stewardship. We keep on talking about it because we're serious about it. We want to take what God has given us, whether it's a little or a lot, and we're going to faithfully work it. Believing that if we do that, that he will entrust us with more. And we're seeing that. And we're seeing growth. And God is giving us opportunities. I can't wait for you for our next series for you to see what, what, what God is doing in this place. But you need to understand this. We cannot forget who brings the growth in the first place. God will grow us. But it is God who grows us. And so write this down. As God gives us more to steward, we can't start to think it's because of ourselves. As God entrusts us with more, we can't 
believe the lie that we had any part to do with it except that we just faithfully worked what he gave us. See, a lot of us, we start believing this lie that I had something to do with it. And a lot of people, they don't start that way. A lot of these prominent figures who, who fall into sin, they don't start that way. They're not trying to, to, to lie to people. They're not trying to scam people. But as growth comes and as success develops, people begin to believe this lie that, oh, maybe, maybe I had something to do with this. Maybe it was my good looks, my charismatic teaching. Maybe it was the, 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 the worship team and how they played the guitar and sang those songs. Maybe it was because of, of, of my financial abilities and me to understand, you know, all the, 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 the metrics. And, and we begin to believe this lie that we had something to do with it instead of self-reliance. Now it even moves even worse to selfish control. I want more. And it was because of me this happened. And so why can't I? Why can't I have what I want? Why can't I enjoy more things? Do, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've accomplished? Wife, do, do you not see who I've become? Oh, you don't? Okay, well then I'm gonna get what I want from someone else. Because we believe this lie that we had something to do with it. And again, there's a perfect place for imperfect people. I'm praying, and our leadership team, we are on our knees. God, as you continue to grow this church, help us not to be full of ourselves. Help us not to think it's because we've done anything. But this is not just for people in ministry. Titus 2.2, it says this, Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, and what? Come on, older men, say that loud. Sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. And older women, where are you at? <laughs> They're like, uh, we're all young women. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry, failed on that one. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. Little side note here. That's for some ladies today. There's a difference between a few glasses and a few bottles. Self-control. Self-control. Amen. We see you on TikTok. It's not good. They are to teach what is good and so to train the young women to love their husbands and children and to be what? Pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Now some of you are like, I, th that word of God reviles me. What do you mean working at home? When the Bible says working at home, it doesn't mean that women can't have a successful career and it doesn't mean men cannot serve their homes and, and watch their children. Amen, ladies? And then when it says that, that they would be submissive to their own husbands, don't forget what the entirety of God's word says. Before it says anyone submit to someone else, it says we must submit to one another. In fact, men, we have the bigger challenge. We have to submit to our wives in such a way that we are willing to die for them. So don't revile God's word, but understand what self-control is. Then it says in verse 6, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works in your teaching. Show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that the opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. This isn't just for church leadership. This is for all of us. Men, women, young and old, the world is watching. Are we going to live according to our sinful flesh or are we going to surrender who we are to the Spirit of God? 
See, the, like every single week, all of this fruit, it doesn't happen on our own strength. We're not the little engine that could. We can't will ourselves. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. No. It's not by our strength. We cannot live this on our own. It requires surrendering to the spirit of God. Write this down. Self-control grows in us when we give away control to God. You want to grow in your self-control? You want to say no to what is not good? You want to avoid temptation and distraction? Self-control grows in us when we give away control to God. Instead of being selfish and self-centered and, and, and give me all the stuff that I want and getting more for myself, faith happens here. Giving God all of who I am, that's the greatest gift that I could offer him. When I surrender my time, my talent, my treasures, my testimony, this is when we are transformed by his Spirit. When we surrender our time to him, saying, God, I have plans, but your plans are greater. And so I'm going to surrender to your plans that you would send me wherever you want at whatever time, because I know that that's the best for me. Self-control begins to grow. When we surrender our, our, our talent, God, you've given me skills and abilities. You've given me insight and, and education. And this is not simply for me to use on myself. It's to, to point other people to your goodness. It's to help other people to grow. So I surrender everything that you've given to me, my talents, my skills, and the way that I serve you is by serving other people with that. When we surrender our, our treasure to God. God, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for you providing for me. And so I'm going to trust you with what you've given to me. I can hold on to it, I can hoard it, or I can surrender it to you because you can do far more with it than I could ever imagine holding on to it myself. So I give it to you. When we surrender our testimony that this life is not about us, in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter how much of an influencer you are, it's not about you. You are just a grain in the sand. But the good news is, the sand is the kingdom of God. And we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And our story is not our story. It's his story. And instead of trying to write the pages of our story like so many of us have done and failed out in the past, we hand him over the pen. We say, Lord, you write the story. I... I surrender my testimony to you. And I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus. For it's the power of salvation for anyone who believes. And I'm not ashamed to say that I've been saved by Jesus. I'm not ashamed to say that I've been set free. That I've been healed. I've been delivered. I have hope. I have joy in my heart because of Jesus. It's not strange. It's supernatural. And when we begin to surrender these areas of our life, when we surrender everything of who we are to him, we're transformed. Self-control grows. But I know some of you are like, how do we give him everything? You said a whole lot of things. That's a whole lot of weight on my shoulder. And we sing that song, I Surrender All. Many of us, we sing it like, I surrender all. How? How do we surrender everything? I want you to write this, this idea down. I can start to give God everything by starting with the next thing. 
How do we surrender all? How do we give God everything? We can start to give God everything by starting with the next thing. John 15, 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may what? Bear more fruit. God is growing us. God is growing you. But just because something is big doesn't mean it's healthy. This is why whether you agree with it or not, whether you like the way it feels or not, every single one of us needs to be pruned. Now, what is pruning? It's not going to sound good. It's literally cutting off limbs that are useless. And fruit tree farmers, they call those limbs that are useless, they call them suckers. Turn to someone next to you, tell them, don't be a sucker. Don't be a sucker. They call them suckers because they suck out moisture from the tree. They suck out nutrients from the tree and give nothing in return. So that means that the fruit that is produced, because you have all these useless sucker limbs attached to the tree, the fruit that is produced isn't the best fruit possible. So God prunes to produce more fruit. What's the area of our lives that needs to be pruned? All of us, we have pieces of our life that are useless. We need to cut them off. But so many of us were afraid of what it would feel like and the pain that we would experience from cutting something out of our lives instead of understanding the potential of what God could do if we surrendered that to him. What is it that is keeping you from growing? What is that area in your life that you know is useless? Maybe it's that habit you have that keeps you just staring at that screen all day long and you're not growing. Maybe maybe it's a relationship that is toxic and painful and damaging to you and you're afraid to let go because then I'll be alone. Maybe it's an addiction that just keeps you in this downward spiral. Maybe it's a television show that just wastes your life away. I don't know what it is, but here's what I do believe. I believe that many of us in here, the Holy Spirit's already revealed what that thing is. You know what that is? That's the next thing. How do we give God everything? Start by giving him that next thing. How do I surrender all of my life to him? Surrender that next thing right now that you know is not good for you. If we can begin doing that, that's what it means to walk in the spirit. And I don't want to wait for us to go home to give that up to God because I know our enemy and someone's going to cut you off on the way home and you're going to get mad at them and you're going to forget about that thing that you have to give up or you're going to eat a really good meal and you're going to be so stuffed, you're going to take a nap and you're going to forget to give it up. And so I want to do that right now. Would you, in this place with, with a posture of surrender, just lift up your hands, close your eyes and give it to God right now. God, we give you the next thing.
we give you this habit that we're holding on to, this relationship that we know is not healthy. We give you this addiction that we struggle with. We give you this person that has hurt us. We, we, we give you the next thing. Believing that when we surrender this, that you begin to set us free. You begin to grow in us more of who you are and what you want to do. So God, we gladly let go. Believing that as we surrender, you produce more fruit. Not just for us, but for your glory. I want you to open your, your eyes and, and look at your hands and the posture of them. This is what happens when we surrender. And now puts us in a posture to be able, not simply to receive from God, but also to give to other people as well. You can put your hands down. I want to read Matthew 13, 31. As we begin to conclude, not simply today, but this entire teaching series, Matthew 13, 31, it says that Jesus put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. And it is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that, say that, say, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. A lot of times when we read this passage or talk about this passage of scripture, we focus on the size of the seed, how it represents our faith, that all it requires is something small being sown in faith and the fruit that it can produce. And that is true. You never know what your faith can produce unless you sow it into something. But I don't want to focus on the size of the seed today. I want to focus on the unintended consequence of what sowing looks like. This man planted the seed and he grew a tree and he produced fruit from that. But the so that is the unintended consequence. So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. I, I don't want you to miss that. The the seeds that we have been sowing over the past seven weeks is producing fruit in our hearts. But God also wants to see a harvest out there. And the seeds that we sow into our lives can benefit people around us. He gives shelter and protection to the birds. Who cares about birds? God does. Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air. They do nothing. They neither toil nor reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? People matter to God. So people must matter to us. This whole series was not just for us to grow. It was for us to go outside and provide help, hope, love, familia, and faith to people outside of these walls. 
Next Sunday, we're starting a new teaching series. I'm so excited about it. We're, we're, we're simply gonna talk about the good news. And every week, we're gonna celebrate some good news because there's so much bad news happening in this world. And so we just wanna celebrate the good that is happening here in this familia and here in this world. Every week, we're gonna meet real, tangible needs of people here in this church by creating good news in their life. And every week, we're gonna have the opportunity to, to communicate and to, to help us communicate this good news that changes someone's eternity and their life here on earth. And for those of you who've been transformed by Jesus, those of you at home who've experienced the hope of Jesus, I want to encourage you not to keep it to yourself, but to give it away. As you walked in today, you received a bag. And this bag is full of seeds. There's one mustard seed in there for you to see how little faith it takes to produce good fruit as long as it's sown. And then there's five invitation cards, and those are seeds as well. These are seeds that we can sow into the hearts and the lives of people that we love, of people that we hate, of people that we know need hope. And so if you've been transformed by Jesus, I wanna challenge you, give it away. God has given all of us a next thing. For some of you, the next thing is to surrender your life to him. For some of you, the next thing is this week to go and to invest and invite those around you to see what God can do through your life to set them free. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. I want to take time to pray for these right now. But as you're standing at your feet, I was reminded of this quote that I heard from a pastor some 14 years ago by the name of Francis Chan. He said this. He said that Christians are a whole lot like manure. Christians are crappy, okay? They're a whole lot like manure. If you spread them everywhere, things begin to grow. But if they're just piled together, it really stinks. God doesn't just want to grow fruit in us. He wants to see a harvest out there. So I want to pray right now, just like we all have a next thing, we all have a next one. A neighbor, a coworker, someone that really gets in your nerves, maybe someone you don't really know that well, but you know they are in need. Let's pray that God would use us to do the impossible. Let's pray that God would use us to reap a harvest. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.